sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid, our second hour of the show, 1 o'clock Eastern here on the 14th of December 2020. Thanks for making us your preferred watch here, either live on SportsGrid or over on YouTube or any of our streaming platforms. Thanks for watching our show. Let's get to a little headlines here on this Monday. We have plenty to get to, including tonight's Monday night football game. What happened to this line here? This is a head scratcher. Baltimore opens up as a one-point favorite. They're already up to three at Cleveland on Monday Night Football. Not a lot of belief that the Browns are for real and maybe the Ravens are. So this will be a curious game tonight. Hey, Washington football team sitting in first place in that NFC East. Everyone's now all excited about them. Of course, they'll probably lose. Giants probably win next week. Maybe even Philadelphia gets back in. Washington is the team on top, but be careful. It is the NFC East. Don't fall in love. She'll break your heart. David Dahl. Once upon a time, a fantasy darling that never came to fruition in Colorado heads to the Texas Rangers on a one-year $3 million deal. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of risk there. NBA preseason continuing tonight. The NBA season officially starts this Saturday. Some good Big East basketball games tonight, including Rutgers and Maryland, Marquette and Creighton. Always curious to see uh, these games. Huge game coming up also. Uh, Gonzaga will be back on the court, too. I think they've been cleared to play. So we'll be checking that out. Uh, I believe that is tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, Monday Night Football here, Joe. Uh, line movement quite a bit. Actually, the biggest line move of the week with Baltimore mm-hmm. going up to three. So what do they know that I don't know? It seems to me Cleveland looks like the better team. They played like the better team. They played fantastic. But... They're never wrong in Vegas, and FanDuel is never wrong. So I'm guessing that uh, it's going to be a close game, maybe right down to the wire. Tough one to call for me. I mean, I I thought Cleveland was better, but the line is sort of telling you that Baltimore is going to win. It is. It's telling you that. Uh, Maybe this is a little built off of, you know, a little bit more perspective of that last game where Lamar Jackson ran for 100 yards and Dobbins and Edwards both look very good. So maybe you're getting back during the football. Defense has always been good for Baltimore all year, but it's been the offense. It's been lackluster. There's no doubt about that. They don't have a sure thing possession wide receiver. Uh, Mark Andrews' health has been an issue. And Hollywood Brown is just inconsistent. I know he's had a good lines when you step back and you look at Hollywood Brown lines, but the last couple of weeks don't tell the whole story. When you watch this guy play, there's been a lot of other issues there, and he's just getting that one moment and making the most of it. I'm fascinated to see what Cleveland does in this game because this is the measuring stick right here. You know, when they played Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, they didn't have Nick Chubb. Well, now they do. And now they're playing the Baltimore Ravens. I think we're going to get a much better idea who the Cleveland Browns are tonight. And Cleveland seems to me to be a very sensitive kind of team that is going to recognize, oh, look, look what's going on here. All of a sudden, they don't think we can compete with these guys anymore. And maybe, maybe Vegas is right. Maybe FanDuel is right. Maybe they're not quite there. Maybe the record is a little bit of a maybe paper tiger. But I want to see, because this is going to be a fascinating moment here for Baker Mayfield for a new coach in Stefanski, for for obviously for Nick Chubb, to go out here against this perennial leading team in this division, the Baltimore Ravens, and make a statement that we are now part of this division. Because for the better part of two decades, the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals, for the most part, have been in doormats. You know, the Cincinnati Bengals made some playoff runs with Marvin Lewis, and that's fine, but they never really were threats, I think, to Baltimore, true threats to Pittsburgh. 
I feel like this Cleveland team could be, but really it has to be proven tonight. Kind of like we were talking about with the Buffalo Bills. Like this game is more important in a lot of ways for the Cleveland Browns, just like this game last night was important for the Buffalo Bills. And we welcome in our radio audience here to Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia talking about Monday Night Football. And Craig, I'll ask you, do you think this game is more important in some ways for the Cleveland Browns to make a statement? Not just because the the Baltimore Ravens are on the precipice of getting back into that playoff hunt, but really, you know, the Cleveland Browns are, got a lot of wins, but this is a big win, and they kind of need a big win on their resume, I think. Look, they, they looked fantastic last week, so let's let's not discount that. But I, I think their statement really comes when they win a playoff game this year. I think that's really going to be it. I, I still step. think they can lose. I think they can lose this game and still make it. So I think the game is more critical to Baltimore. I think if Baltimore loses, it puts them right back in that mix. And it is very clear at this point, and we'll talk about the Raiders coming up, but it is crystal clear to me at this point that that final AFC playoff spot's coming down to that Miami game in Vegas uh, next week on Saturday night. So um, for Baltimore, they win. It puts them right there. I think they make it. And if they lose... They fall back right there with uh, the Raiders and, and the Dolphins in terms of the playoffs. So this was not one that we picked tonight, and we have not picked a game right on Monday, I don't think, all year. So we stayed away. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I thought initially it looked like to me like Cleveland was, was, the, was the mark for tonight. Um, and, I, and I kind of – I'm thinking with the, with the line moving, and I don't know really why – uh, maybe, maybe Baltimore is the right side. Maybe, maybe I, I'm just not sure which one it is. It could be one or two things. It could be that this is either like, very similar to Arizona going to the Giants and winning and looking weird, or maybe the opposite, where San Francisco was a small favorite against Washington, and certainly Washington looked like the right team in that one, even though they weren't. Uh, San Francisco wasn't at home. Uh, Washington definitely looked like the better team in that game. So. I don't know if it's that or if it's somewhere in the middle, but certainly that's what we'll get to next. Uh, also, folks, don't forget, we'll be right back here on tomorrow's show. We're here every day from noon to 2 Eastern. Josh Cohen will join us from PC Sports Cards. The hot name, of course, in uh, in cards right now has got to be Jalen Hurts after his performance for Philadelphia. We'll also have a Guess the Grade segment where we'll go through one sports card. You guys will try and guess what the grade is. You'll let us know. You can leave a comment below on our YouTube channel or even let us know on Twitter at SportsGrid. Uh, in addition to that, we start going through the early part of the second round of the fantasy football playoffs. So those of you who are still alive, make sure you let us know. If you need any lineup help, hit us up at Craig Mish at Joe Pizza PS17. And the baseball winter meetings didn't really, uh, I don't think uh, the hot stove really even started yet. But every single Major League Baseball manager over the next five days is having a Zoom conference. And we have access to that. So we'll take an early look at the 2021 fantasy baseball season uh, coming up a little bit later this week. We'll be right back. Don't go away. More fantasy sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia as we're tackling week 14 of the NFL fantasy season. And we continue on as we move to the later games and the later schedule, which included a Indianapolis Colts trip to Las Vegas, where the struggling Raiders continued to struggle on defense 
against the Colts. The Colts are putting themselves right in that playoff picture. Thanks to Philip Rivers and company. Here are a look at the numbers for Rivers, 19 of 28, 244 passing yards and two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, his best game as a pro, 20 carries, 150 rushing yards, two receptions, 15 yards, two touchdowns. And T.Y. Hilton has been unbelievable the last three weeks. Five receptions, 86 yards, two more touchdowns for him. Healthy, great, every superlative you could give since he played with Andrew Luck. This guy has been unbelievable for for the Colts. He's been a fantasy superstar. Uh, Now, in terms of the Raiders, their numbers are going to end up being okay because they were playing a lot of catch-up here in this one. Carr, 45 passes, 316 passing yards, 12 rushing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. One of them was on the ground. Josh Jacobs did play. I know he went on Instagram saying he wasn't. I don't even know if there was a resolution with that. I did see that, though, early in the day. 13 carries, 49 yards, three receptions, 25 yards. Nelson Aguilar, huge game. Five receptions, 100 yards for him and a touchdown. And Darren Waller, another 14-point fantasy day. So the Colts are are basically right there. They got a pick six in this game. They play very good defense. They have their struggles at times, Joe. We've seen that, especially against mm-hmm. Tennessee a few weeks ago. I, I have a feeling Colts and Titans are going to end up playing in like the first round. It seems <laughs> like it's destiny at that point. I hope so. But the, sec- but, but the second straight year, the Raiders are fading down the stretch for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And I guess they fired their defensive coordinator late last night, too. But uh, that's troubling. So, <laughs> yeah, it's very troubling and they are falling apart for a second straight year. And it's unfortunate because it felt like they pushed a little bit further. You know, they were pushing that that ball up the hill, that stone, that rock up the hill. And last year it ended a couple weeks earlier. This year it seems to be ending a couple weeks later. But same result, which is you're getting the, the rock up the hill higher, but it's falling back on you yet again at the close and the inability of the Raiders to finish a season is not good. I understand that they've had some injuries on the defensive side. I get that, especially in the secondary. And um, look, Josh Jacobs really, you know, irritated a lot of fantasy owners yesterday and, you know, kind of was trying to get a rise out of people, which is odd. Doesn't seem like he's kind of bag to do, but for whatever reason, he did it. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, say his name. Another touchdown for Aguilar. Talk about seasons you never saw coming. Nelson Aguilar is definitely that one. I could, I could tell you right now, if we're going to do awards at the end of the year on this show, the fantasy season, no one ever saw coming. There's been some good ones, some good potentially. Nobody saw Nelson Aguilar. Nobody. And and the fact that he's been able to do it as consistently as he has for the most part is stunning. And back to the other side here in Indianapolis, you're right. Uh, T.Y. Hilton certainly looks healthy. He's got four touchdowns his last three games. The guy's been fantastic. Philip Rivers is dealing with a foot issue that's going to require surgery at the end of the year. But he's playing his best football right now, partially because – of how T.Y. Hilton looks, which has faded Michael Pittman into the background. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be enough for everybody here to eat, but Jonathan Taylor has eaten as well. And ever since you got that game where was it Jordan Wilkins and him were splitting all the carries, remember that a couple weeks ago and everybody had full-on panic mode as they should, where it was like a full third split between Naheem Hines and the other two, and now all of a sudden you're seeing Jonathan Taylor starting to run away with this job, which is what everybody wanted early on, but this is unfortunately – Uh, a teachable moment for everybody in fantasy, which is rookie running backs sometimes take a good while to get ready. So be careful how much draft stock you put into them early on. Yes, it's important to identify the next game-changing guy, but if you're in redraft leagues, a guy like Jonathan Taylor, you knew was going to take some time. And yes, you might be right ultimately, but are you right ultimately in the playoffs? These guys are much better trade targets than they are draft targets. And I don't know how many times we have to be hit over the head with this every single year before we start to get it as a fantasy community. 
but I'm going to be hitting people over the head within a black book again next spring. And I can tell you right now, that group is going to be a good group, very enticing. They're going to start to get overhyped, talked about too much. Next thing you know, they're going to underdeliver in the first half and then deliver in the second half, much of the chagrin of a lot of people were already probably out of the playoffs. So it's great to see Taylor playing well. And I'll tell you what, this offense starting to complement the defense a little bit here in these last three weeks. And all of a sudden, Indianapolis looks like a team that could really do something. And what a what an interception for Moore, too. Interception of the year, that one-handed Odell Beckham kind of grab, that was an incredible, incredible interception for Moore in the end zone there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, let's uh, look at Washington and San Francisco. The Washington football team ended up coming out on top. They played as good a defensive game as any team has played in the NFL this season against San Francisco. They played fantastic. Uh, Alex Smith got hurt in this one, and so that will be curious moving forward because I don't think they're going to win with Haskins, who had to come back in. As you see, the numbers were really not good for either quarterback, and Haskins almost gave away the game with a late uh, interception that was called uh, on the ground. J.D. McKissick, very good again, 11 carries, 68 yards, two receptions, 18 yards. The key for McKissick is clearly uh, Gibson and his status for next week. Logan Thomas, six receptions, 43 yards. Can't complain with 10 points from a fantasy tight end. And as I mentioned, the Washington defense, two touchdowns on defense and uh, and four sacks as well. All right, now let's move over to San Francisco and another ugly performance offensively for them is Nick Mullins, 25 of 45, 260 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. I always thought Mullins, I, I still think Mullins could be a good backup in the NFL, but clearly... He's a little bit overmatched. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 14 for 65 on the ground. Two receptions, five yards. Jeff Wilson came in the game and played early. Then he fumbled. Then he did not. 11 carries, 31 yards. Over one reception, 13 yards and a touchdown. And then Brandon Ayuk uh, had his best game as a pro. 10 receptions, 119 yards. No Debo Samuel in this one. He was hurt again. So Washington now, Joe, on top of the East, at least for December 14th. I think the 21st is probably going to look differently, but for now, that's where we're at. <laughs> it is a great performance by the defense. I mean, they're winning these games with that defensive line. There's no doubt about that. 23 fantasy points from this defense. I mean, if you look at them, they had uh, interception. They had uh, touchdowns. They had two fumble recoveries. I mean, they were just getting after it. That's what they do. Another good game for McKissick, too. But, I mean, that Washington D, when you're scoring points on defense, you're going to win games, I'm telling you. And uh, on the San Francisco side of this one, Another injury for Debo Samuel. This is very frustrating, and this is what becomes very difficult because you can love a player and love his talent and love his identity in that system, but then you have to be realistic and say, if he's not on the field, does it matter? And unfortunately for Debo right now, it just doesn't matter in fantasy, and it's very sad. It's frustrating. It's all those things, but Ayuk has really grown over these last few weeks. You look at this game log, and you will see. You will see the receptions. You'll see the targets. You'll see the conversion of all of them. And you'll see the yardage totals and the fantasy points start to accumulate. That's very exciting. So Ayuk is a lot uh, is a lot of ways very similar to Debo Samuel, just fit for this quick slant over the middle kind of offense that the San Francisco 49ers like to run. And he's been able to really step up and be that guy. And they were very specific in the draft. They targeted him specifically. There were some other guys on the board that graded out higher. But for what Shanahan likes to do, Ayuk was the better fit and proven to be right here in this latter part of the season. And this is another one of these guys like KJ Hamler, rookie wide receivers. This class is just the gift that never stops giving. It's unbelievable. Here we are week 14 and there's more guys emerging. Hamler, Ayuk. This is great going into next year. It is just an embarrassment of riches in the wide receiver position. So 
Forget running backs at your flex spot next year. Just go all wide receiver and PPR. I'm telling you right now, you will not be let down. It's the way to go. They stay healthier for the most part. Week to week, better investments. But uh, look, great win for Washington. And Washington just seems to be that team that continues to deal with adversity too. I mean, whether it be Ron Rivera's health, whether it be the injuries of the quarterback position, let's hope Alex Smith can go next week. But I'll tell you, Washington has really done a great job of dealing with adversity and playing defense this year. Yeah, they have. I, I just, unfortunately, <laughs> I think I if Haskins is playing, <laughs> I think the Giants are the team again. I'd go back to the Giants. If, if, um, you might not be wrong. If Haskins is out, I think Washington is probably the best among the worst in this division. But if you said to me, Haskins is QB, I'd say, oh, nope, I'll go back to the Giants. And I got to tell you, and we're going to talk about this. I, let me see if we're going to talk about it coming up, just to be sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about it coming <laughs> well, yeah, up. Yeah, the Eagles, but, too. <laughs> but the truth is, is that the Eagles probably, Joe, should be in first if they had made the move sooner. I mean, that's really what it looks like. It's hard to say. It's the NFL. But, I mean, give the Eagles one more win. They'd be right there with a guy that looked good. I just, it's baffling to me. That is the story of the, of the division. Speaking of which, we'll talk about England Hurts and the Eagles. Don't go away. Game time decision. It's either going to be Higby. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. As we were previously discussing, the NFC East is red hot. All of a sudden, the Philadelphia Eagles are back. Well, I don't know if they're (laughs) back into this thing. But they certainly looked like the best team in the NFC East yesterday. What have we said that? 15 weeks in a row? 14 weeks in a row? Probably. Jalen Hurts got his shot. He made the most of it. And And if these are his numbers in fantasy, yes. I would like him for 2021 because he rushed for 106 yards in his first career NFL start. You tell me uh, you wouldn't take that? Does that remind you of anybody else on Philadelphia? Maybe with the name of Cunningham? 167 passing yards and a touchdown. Look, he almost made some big mistakes too, but you got to give him credit coming in his first start against a really good team and winning. At least I will give him credit. Miles Sanders also got the ball a little bit more. 14 carries, ran off a big one again, 115 yards. Four receptions, 21 yards. He scored twice. Jalen Rager looked like he was getting a little bit more action. They definitely have to upgrade their receiving core. That is for sure. Now, on the side of the Saints, a pretty big disappointment. We'll have to see which way they end up going. And what was exposed a little bit in this one, and the Saints are going to have to think about this moving forward, is what happens if they are down two touchdowns? Because Mm -hmm. Taysom Hill, while he looks very good, he had a hard time bringing them back. 291 passing yards, 33 rushing yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Alvin Kamara scored again for you if you had him, so that's good. He's kind of salvaging the last few weeks where he didn't do much. Michael Thomas, 8 for 84. Traquan Smith, 3 for 60. And Emmanuel Sanders, three receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown. And, and and I think that, look, uh, first of all, well, let's start with Philadelphia here for a minute, Joe. And I'll go back to this. I simply can't say that Jalen Hurts would have won more games because that's not fair mm-hmm. to anyone. But, right. I mean, they should have made this switch at least two weeks ago, at least. And they mm-hmm. did not. I hate to say that it's going to end up costing them their season, but Hurts looked confident. He's running the ball well. 
This was a pretty good team that he went against, a really good team that he went against. And and even though that he should have had a pick six late in the game, he threw a pass that should have been caught and ran back for a touchdown. Um, I, I liked what I saw. If this, this is for, I think he's going to be good. <laughs> I think you well, build around it, him. I think he's going to be good. Well, confidence is never Jalen Hurts' problem. I mean, that's what you love about Jalen Hurts. The kid believes in Jalen Hurts, first and foremost. And that's a good thing because that makes other people believe and buy in. And that's kind of been the MO. And, and Doug Peterson uh, was heard before the game or they said in the press conference after as well that you you just run the plays, I'll call the plays. Don't overdo it, just execute. And that's what Carson Wentz has failed at is the execution. He tries to do too much. He's always, you know, making deficits into bigger deficits. He's always compounding the problem. And I think that's something that has really put the Eagles back in what could have been a very winnable division for them if they had just limited the mistakes a little bit more. Jalen Hurts out there with money to burn. He's out there and he's making plays. And, and yes, still not a finished product by any stretch of the means. But the bigger deal to me is not even Jalen Hurts' 100 yards, which is great which is the second time since 1950 a guy has debuted with 100 yards rushing. The last guy to do it was actually Lamar Jackson, but he was the first guy to do it since 1950. So now we got back-to-back uh, years, basically, where rookies guys making their starts, or two years was the last three, I should say, where Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts out there rushing for 100 yards and they debut, which is very impressive. But Miles Sanders getting 50% more touches than he did week over week. Sorry, this is the difference. This is what you got to do. We've been saying it for weeks. Get Miles Sanders the ball because Miles Sanders is not a volume running back like Derrick Henry. You're going to get the ball 25 times. But he is a guy that can make a big play. He is a guy that's explosive, and he proved that last year. But you have to get the ball in his hands 15 times a game or somewhere close. Five, 10. Those are the numbers we've been seeing the last few weeks. That is the bigger problem with the Eagles. And on the flip side here, the biggest problem with Taysom Hill is, well, it's twofold. The number one is he's holding the ball too long in the pocket. So he's having trouble making decisions. And the other one is the fumbles. He's got 10 fumbles already and five lost fumbles. That's a problem. That's not a recipe for winning football games. So that's something that I think Saints fans and I think Sean Payton are recognized, and that's going to be troublesome. And you could hear, if you listen closely, Drew Brees' ribs healing very quickly over the next 24 hours because I think this was a game that the Saints probably could have won, should have won, and let slip through their fingers. And I think Taysom Hill, you see some good, you see some bad, but I think that's most young quarterbacks, or should I say newer quarterbacks, he's not the youngest guy. So what's your take so far on Hill and Hurts here in this game? Yeah, I, I think now over the Saints, I think that that they're in good shape with Hill at quarterback, but I, I would be concerned with a team down with Hill because I don't know that he it's has fair. it to bring – back a couple of scores it's something curious for me i would not have put in winston in that spot that that's for sure now 24 hours ago we heard drew Brees was not going to play this week so i don't know we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how it progresses but they do have the showdown i think against kansas city if i'm not mistaken so um yeah that's that's a pretty big game on the schedule for sure mm-hmm. okay now to one we got right the chargers they did it they won a game finally <laughs> Herbert did basically everything he could to give it away, but uh, Matt Ryan did more. I mean, that's really the reality of this game. 36 of 44, 243 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Let's not get it twisted. 36 of 44, all five-yard passes. Really, I mean, it was it was ugly. Uh, Eckler looked good late in this one, 15 of 79, nine receptions, 67 yards. Uh, Tyron Johnson also came up big because Williams, shockingly, was out. Six receptions and 55 yards and a score. Keenan Allen, nine receptions, 52 yards and a score. And then Hunter Henry got to his 10 fantasy points. Now, as I mentioned, the uh, the Chargers basically had this game given to them after Herbert threw an interception. Matt Ryan came back with 40 seconds, and then he threw an interception. 
and the Chargers kicked a field goal. It was that kind of game. Matt Ryan, 21 of 32, 224 passing yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, two horrible interceptions for him. Uh, Ito Smith was the leading rusher again. I don't know, Gurley, like he, I guess he, he has a jersey and he's on the field, but it's over for him. 11 carries, 42 yards for Ito. Uh, Ridley, a monster, 8 for 124 and a touchdown. And then Russell Gage threw a touchdown pass in this one. He also caught five balls for 82 yards. He's going to be a nice player, I think, if Julio Jones is out for the rest of the season. So the battle of the who can lose the game the best goes to <laughs> the Chargers, who at the half with uh, 15 seconds left ran the ball up the middle, got down to the one, and then the time ran out, and they didn't kick a field goal at the end of the half. Uh, Chargers throw an interception with a minute left to give the Falcons a chance to win. Falcons throw an interception to give the Chargers a chance to win. But the, the Chargers were getting points, and as a dog, I can consider as the Chargers. A dog. I think they were minus one on Sunday, by the way, but they were two and yeah. a half, mm-hmm. and that was mercifully we got two wins on the super con and that was and the colts was the other one but um chargers was a win give me him as a dog never as a favorite never as a favorite oh no you're right no and and that's what look uh, i'll be real quick on this one austin eckler is a ppr monster it's great to see keenan allen be good again calvin ridley when calvin ridley is in healthy calvin ridley is elite Make no mistake about it. With Julio Jones, without Julio Jones, doesn't matter. Calvin Ridley is now an elite fantasy wide receiver, so book him as such next year, as long as Matt Ryan's back at quarterback, which I anticipate he will be. And we'll see if Julio Jones does come back or not. And you can see a lot of wholesale changes with the Falcons, too. This is another team that could look very different going into next year. But Russell Gage has proven that he can step up into that void, too. Just got to figure out the running back position here. They really do. And a couple other things on defense, especially in that secondary, continues to haunt them. But, yeah, this was uh, an ugly game, to say the least. Would you say that that Gurley's demise is the fastest in the history of the NFL for any running back? I, I think Jamal Anderson is the only one that I remember, ironically, the same team that went down this fast. Terrell yeah. Davis did too, but um, I was going to say is... Terrell Davis for me, but that that was that was more just and career-ending injury. I think there's a difference between bright talent and career-ending injury, and then just the injury that takes its toll, and then a guy just falls off. I mean, David Johnson is in there. Uh, Todd Gurley is in there I mean, too. Todd over. I think it is over. Yeah. Do you think he's going to get a job? I, I, uh, I think, think he'll get an invite. I think we get an invite to a camp, but I don't know if he. It's a good right. thing he's making commercials and making the extra cash. I mean, maybe he'll get an invite. Well, maybe he'll make a team. But I mean, he's not a fantasy investment anymore. I think that's safe to say. Fantasy, forget it. All right, Buffalo Pittsburgh last night. Uh, close game for a while. Buffalo really imposed their will in the second half of this one. Josh Allen, twenty-four, forty-three, two hundred thirty-eight passing yards. 28 rushing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Zach Moss, the leading carrier, 13 for 43. Diggs, another monster game, 10 for 130 for Diggs. He's been one of the best receivers in football in 2020. Cole Beasley, 5 for 41. On the uh, Gabriel Davis, I believe, caught a touchdown this one, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Buff, uh, for, for, for Pittsburgh, they uh, did not play well in the second half. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, 21 of 37, 187 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Connor did not look good. Neither did Snell. And you see Jalen Samuels. He was the leading rusher. And Juju Schuster was the only one of any relevance because the Steelers were once again dealing with drop balls from Deontay Johnson and then Eric uh, mm-hmm. Eric Ebron. So, um, yeah, I mean, Buffalo definitely looked like the better team in this one. Pittsburgh now has lost back-to-back games. I think that if the Steelers could catch the ball, they probably would win. But I mean, they're leading the NFL in drop balls. Deontay Johnson's leading is the most drop mm-hmm. balls, I think, in three years or something like that in the NFL. It's kind of wild. 12. 
He's got 12 already this year. And, and look, and, and, and for perspective, this is also a guy who's, when he's on the field, one of the highest targeted wide receivers in the NFL as well. So, of course, Lamar Target's going to come more drops. But I, I think Mike Tomlin, I get why he sat him in this game and benched him because of the uh, two drops. But I think it hurt them. I think it hurt their ability to get back in this football game because, you know, he had drops in the previous game and then he came back and caught balls and made some big plays. And I feel like if that's your guy and you don't have a running game, you have to stick with Deontay Johnson. Just keep feeding them the ball because it's almost like that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman kind of thing. You don't run the football very well, so you have to move the chains incrementally some other way. And that way is Deontay Johnson. And that's the only way they can do it. So when you get away from that, that's a failure. And one other note too here, you know, Josh Allen had a play last night where it was a, a third and five, I think. It was about at midfield. And this is the development of Josh Allen as a quarterback for me. Old Josh Allen two years ago would have just run the ball, probably would have barely picked up the first down. He rolled out there to the right. Then there was uh, Cole Beasley open on the sideline who adjusted his route and was able to go and change that. And that probably would have been a first down as well. But instead, what he's able to do is he found the mismatch downfield in the end zone, threw that ball into the end zone, knowing that it would probably be a PI. It was, and they were down at the goal line. That is the progression of Josh Allen as a passer that I've been waiting to see. And that was a great moment that I'm going to take with me from this season into next season when evaluating him. It's a small moment. Won't show up in the box score at all, but it's going to show up in the black book. Fantasy or reality is coming up next. I'm going to throw a shoe at somebody next segment. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. This just in from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew gets a chance to start again for the Jags coming up this week, as he should. He's probably their best quarterback. So no more Jake Luton, no more uh, Mike Lennon, at least for the rest of this year, Joe, and get a little uh, Minshew action here. Minshew Mania yeah, for the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, Minshew Mania is back. Winning, I would say. Yeah. Can't, can't keep the mustache down no matter how hard you try. You just can't do it. Uh, but look, I, I I don't know. Maybe we're conspiracy theory a little bit where you say, well, maybe they thought Minshew was the best way for them to win games. And maybe they thought it was best to give him a little break in the season. Make sure that you solidify at least a number two overall pick or somewhere close to it. Once mathematically you did, then you feel good about putting Minshew back in because it kind of feels like that might be where they're thinking that they are right now. I don't know. Look, I, I can't understand where. We are where Jacksonville, not once but twice, thought that there were better options on their team than Gardner Minshew. I mean, I'm like you. I don't think Gardner Minshew is a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I think he right. gives them a better chance to win games, which makes you question how much you want to win games. And I don't, you know, necessarily understand the thought process there, but at least he's going to be back on the field. So maybe DJ Shark will be good again when Gardner Minshew's back. Who knows what could happen? <laughs> could be. Um, by the way, you know, normally. I think we tackle every game on the schedule. I I, I don't. I, I think somehow we missed a game today here. Now that I'm Green Bay, Detroit, through. Green Bay, Detroit. That's what we missed. And uh, I'll, oh, I'll just point out one. one, one. I, I think we missed two. Then I thought we did. Oh, well, I thought well, that we. Well, yeah, we missed Jets, we, Seattle, because we, we were taking it easy on Jets breath. Seattle because you guys are. Jets well, I don't. Did we? Really? We 
I think Brett wanted to skip it. Are we didn't want to spend time talking about Geno Smith on this show. I mean, I thought that that's what the. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, two two things we could take out of those two games. One thing: eight straight games for Devonte Adams with a touchdown. Only two guys have ever had a more or a longer streak. One was uh, Jerry Rice in '87 and AJ Green in 2012. So that's a pretty okay. impressive streak there for Devontae Adams. And then the other thing is Jamal Adams is going to be the the, uh, the highest uh, defensive back sacks total in a in a season. So that's an impressive stat there wow. for Jamal Adams there. So and you know what? Sacks. I think our, our trivia tomorrow should be who was the one before. No. I, go, I feel like you I don't know, know this the answer. Right. I, won't look. I won't look. Okay. I don't know the answer. All right. Duly right. okay. noted. Duly noted. <laughs> okay, so with that, we skipped the, the Seattle game against the Jets. We did a disservice to all of our fantasy sports watchers here out there. But, look, truthfully, the game was terrible, and Seattle did, uh, did dominate that game. That's true. All right, so let's kick it with a little fantasy or reality to end the show. Tomorrow we'll start off the show with the Jets and Seattle instead. Okay, boxing uh, <laughs> over the weekend was, was very exciting. Shakur Stevenson, another – Unanimous decision it moves him to 15 and 0 on the season, 8 and 0 in terms of knockouts, and he's got a little bit of that flair going too. I wish Boxy would come back in a big way, and now we'll have an opportunity for Joe to talk about how his family was always watching boxing, and they always loved boxing, and of hey. course Joe was a fighter back in his day too, uh, which is irrelevant to Shakur Stevenson. So I'm going to ask you straight up, Joe: Yes or no? Fantasy or reality? You don't have to bring your family into this thing. Is Shakur Stevenson boxing's next superstar? He is. Fantasy or reality? Yeah, sure. Why not? Reality. Let's let's say he is. The problem is I don't know how relevant boxing can be anymore. And that's that's the God's honest truth. I mean, we're just kind of, you know, inundated with so many different options. I just don't know if boxing can ever get back to that place. Now, it takes a, a distinct personality I, from a fighting perspective. From what I've seen of the kid. Certainly impressive. I think anybody would be shocked to not think he's an impressive young fighter. But I don't know if he's got that intangible quality that makes people want to watch that some of the other great fighters have. It's like, you know, you have to be a great fighter and on the other hand have this incredible charismatic personality. He's very young yet, so I think that's hard to say. But, yeah, why not reality? I'd like to see boxing back for selfish reasons because of my family. No, I'm just kidding. I would like to see boxing just return anybody. Yeah, I just had to do it to you. But, yeah, sure. Let's let's say it's let's like say reality because I remember back in my day we were on the I remember couch. Well, look, boxing. It's hard for people to imagine, but boxing was. I don't want to say higher up than hockey. Maybe I mean when we were younger, baseball, football, boxing were kind of I don't know, just super popular. It's the heavyweights. It's always the heavyweights. You got to have a good heavyweight. It is. Type Fury maybe, you know, is one of those. This is fantasy. I'm sorry. I, I know that it's a nice story, and Shakur Stevenson is really good. And, and, look, you can have a Roy Jones. You can have a Floyd Mayweather. You can have a Pernell Whitaker. I understand. But uh, the truth is is that Joe did not know the fight was going on Saturday night before it happened. I did not know the fight was going on Saturday night. And that tells you the story. It's all you need to know. Fantasy. If we don't know that it's happening and just we're talking about it afterwards, where was all the buildup? Half the thing in sports for popularity is the buildup. The games normally are not great. It's, it's all about what happens before the games and talking about the games because we spend more time talking about pregame than we actually do postgame. Have you ever noticed that? We spend six days talking about what's going to happen game. in the game and then spend so one. We don't even do the Jets. Jets. We're done with them. We're, <laughs> yeah, about we're done. We're out. So this that is fantasy. Nice story, but no, it's not the next superstar boxing. Please. This is not Manny Pacquiao or. 
Oscar De La Hoya or any of those. Uh, okay, Sugar Shane. Uh, fan, okay, now this one, this is a tough one for me. I, I feel like I'm I'm in the wrong seat here for the, for this one here. Oh, I'll, ask my you, I'll, I'll turn it around if you want. If you want, I'll, I'll set you up for the rant if you like. I'm, well, I'm more than happy to tell people what happened because I was obviously watching the game live. So, so Saturday mm-hmm. night, the Gators are playing against LSU in a must-win game to get to the college football championship because they're in the sixth seed and Texas A&M is in the five seed. And in order to get into the championship, things have to happen. For example, if Florida beats LSU Saturday night and then they beat Alabama, I know it's a long shot, but if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship, guess who's in the final four? The Gators. They're there. So for some reason, the Gators defense just doesn't show up at all in this game and LSU's running crazy on them until the end. Gators come all the way back. Kyle Trask brings them all the way back into the game and LSU is flailing all over the place, third down and long with under two minutes to go. They stop the uh, offensive player uh, on LSU, and the defender, Wilson, tackles the player on LSU, stops him. Congratulations, Gators are getting the ball back. But no, he rips the shoe off of the LSU player, throws it down the field, 15-yard penalty. Fortunately for the Gators, uh, they ended up getting the ball back actually with a chance to tie, but they could have kicked the game-winning field goal to end the game instead, and they did not. And so they lose. And so now you, Joe, can take it from here. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, if the question is, have you ever tossed an opponent's shoe while playing a sport? This is one of the weirdest ones we've ever had. Now, I'll answer for myself, and I'll just say I did toss an opponent's shoe back to him uh, once Mm. uh, in a basketball game uh, where, you know, you step on a guy's shoe accidentally playing defense where a guy comes out of his shoe, which happens on a court from time to time. And I gently tossed it back. Now I never didn't turn around and then throw it down the other way and try to make a basket with it or like a buzzer beater at at mid court. Did not do that. This is a bad look, Craig. I'll ask you, did you ever in your history of playing sports ever uh, toss another opponent's cleat or shoe or what have you? Down the field. <laughs> no, and this was this was one of I'm not going to say it was the dumbest. We I think we may have seen the dumbest thing last year. Honestly, I don't know if you you are you I, I think we were doing the show last year when this happened. But uh, first of all, the answer is fantasy. I've never tossed an opponent's shoe. If you remember last year, I believe it was 2000 and uh, was it 19 or 20? It was 2019. Well, it was last year it was. 2019. So I just want to put you in that. Okay, Mississippi, I think you remember this. We were doing the show, I think. Mississippi, Mississippi State, where the players, they scored a touchdown and then uh, laid on the ground and lifted his leg up, pretending to urinate. And then they moved the extra oh, play yeah. back. They missed the game. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was last I think year. this yes, goes ahead of that. I think this goes ahead of that. What do you think? No? Yeah. Yeah, I actually think this. I think the shoe goes ahead of that because that's kind of you think the everyone's shoe goes ahead of the fake knee. I think, wow. the sh- I think the shoe goes ahead of it because when people are performing in the end zone and all that stuff, there's like that weird celebratory thing that happens. This is like a defensive stop. I, I just, I don't know. This is just weird to me when you pick up your opponent's shoe and just throw it, just chuck it down the field. It's absurd. Okay, well, that's the other thing. Well, tackle when the shoe came off in his hand. In fairness to the defender. No. So, so even if okay, here's a question: Would he have gotten a penalty if he just kind of went like like threw it up in the air and rejoiced, or is it the fact that he threw it downfield? Like, I want to get the clarity from the referee. About that. I don't know the answer to that, Joe. I'm not the expert on that, but I, I I think last year was dumber because it because again, like 
but the and not only was the guy attempting to urinate but fake urinating on the logo of the other team but listen <laughs> both two years in a row we've seen two of the stupidest things that we've seen in college football i think we can do We'll agree there. All right. Now, finally, uh, look, it's uh, Saved by the Bell is back. Mario Lopez is back in a big way on the new Saved by the Bell reboot. But how about this? Uh, Colonel Sanders, Mario Lopez is back there. We've seen a lot of different Colonel Sanders, Joe, through the years. Uh, I believe Rob Lowe was one of the more recent ones, if if I'm not mistaken. They just keep choosing new people every year. Fantasy reality, Mario Lopez is a good choice for uh, Mr. KFC. I'm going to say fantasy because he doesn't look like this dude's ever eaten any KFC. I want more people like when they had Jason Alexander and guys like that. I want people who were eating Kentucky Fried Chicken to play the Colonel, not somebody who's never had. I mean, Rob Lowe's not eating KFC. Rob Lowe is eating some non-carb fake tofu kind of chicken thing. And probably Mario Lopez is too. But that being said, I did fall into the trap this weekend because uh, when my kids got up Saturday morning, we were turned on the TV, getting some breakfast and, um, there it is. Saved by the Bell marathons on, and then a couple hours later, next thing you know, we're still watching Saved by the Bell, and they keep they keep peppering me with questions about did people dress like this, and they would ask me questions about well, why didn't they just do this, or why is this person so strange, or whatever. And they were laughing, and they were amused, and they love it, but at the same time, they were very confused at the same time, which I think is probably appropriate. So, uh, so I will say um, this is a, a fantasy, Mario Lopez. Although I got lots of love for AC Slater, lots of props to AC. I will say he's not a good Colonel Sanders. No, no, not at all. How about you, Craig? It's a tough spot because everyone's just trying to make a living. I get it. And it, you know, they approach you with this. I'm sure they approach the agent and say, we'll give you a million dollars or $2 million just to do these ads or do these little mini movies. Hard for me to say no. So I'm going to say he's a good choice. The Mario Lopez at this stage continues to make a living off, off working and, and doing different things. They're not always pretty. But look, we've, we've had actors on some of those B-rate shows. They're doing Sharknado and things like that. And those do very well on sci-fi. So but isn't Mario Lopez like not Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood? He's like one of the hosts of one of those shows, those entertainment shows that yeah. I know I don't watch. The guy works. I got lots of respect for the working man. I just don't think Colonel Sanders is the best role for him. That's all. Does he make you want to buy more chicken? I, I haven't eaten KFC in years. It's been years. I mean, yeah, literally years. It's yeah. been a long, long time. I don't have one yeah. near me, and, and the one that I know where it is, I see it and wonder. I mean, no offense to KFC. I just I just haven't had it. I just, I just mm. don't even consider it an option. Yeah, and you only eat fast food in your car when no one's watching. We know that, too. We've learned that about you. You have like an hour to yourself. You'll get that one chicken sandwich or that one thing, and you'll sit in your car by yourself. You know, because you're busy. It's been a while. Very busy, though. For a while. I know. I gotta. I gotta get back into all that stuff now. Uh, after maybe getting the vaccine, can go back to all these places that I used to go to and do all that stuff. Hopefully, that's, that's soon. Right. All right. The Sports Grid 60 is coming up next, and then we gotta say so long for today. Don't forget Scott Farrell coming up later, going coast to coast. So make sure you stay on the grid. I'm Craig Mitchell along with Joe Pizzapia. We got a final thought coming up in just two minutes. So make sure you stay on the grid. Don't forget follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mitch. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Don't go away. Sports 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As we get ready to wrap up the show, don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow. Josh Cohen will join us for the latest in sports cards, who's hot, who's not. Also, we'll guess the grade on a sports card that we have going off to get graded. Pretty big one, as a matter of fact. We'll see what it ends up getting. All right, let's end with a little Sports Grid 60, some commentary from me and Joe Pizzapia. Joe, you will lead off. Take it away. I will lead off with the Cleveland Indians changing their name. Boys and girls, this is not that big of a deal, okay? And this is probably a long time overdue. We forget that teams do this. I mean, the Washington Bullets change their name to the Washington Wizards. See how that sounds better? Uh, People forget that the Houston Astros once upon a time were the Colt 45s. Probably not the best look, right? Perspective is important. Hey, how about the Cincinnati Redlegs? That's just a silly name. We've changed that to the Reds, which we just accept. So, Look, change is a part of life. And I understand it's hard. You know, you've been rooting for this team for a very long time. You're familiar with the name. You're familiar with the logos. But you know what? Change is good. And I know it's tough because of all that history of all those championships. Oh, wait. Oops, sorry. Not the history of all the championships. But I know all of the, the winning that the team has done over. Yeah, well, I mean, they've won more recently. But, yeah, it wasn't so great. Look, I think the point is this. Take a good look at the Washington football team. All that matters is winning. You win, doesn't matter what you call yourself, because then I call you a winner. And that's what's important when it comes to a team name. Winning and losing, not so much what the mascot is. So we will get past this, and in a few years we'll say, oh, remember when, just like we say about the Red Legs or the Colt 45s. It'll just be another piece of baseball history, and we'll move on and evolve, and that's a good thing. So with that being said, Craig, I turn the floor over to you. All right, well, I'll end with this. There's a couple of things that are going on that I think are fascinating. And I think first and foremost, what we talked about earlier in the show is the key decision that the New Orleans Saints are going to have to make. And we see this a lot in sports. We see the passing of the guard. But uh, look, I mean, the Saints have to decide, basically, if they're rolling with Taysom Hill the rest of the season or going back to their Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. And you may say, well, rest of season, they could bring him back to the playoffs. I mean, you do realize that if they play Taysom Hill this week against the Chiefs and Taysom Hill wins, they're going to have even a bigger problem on their hands because then that means the Saints would have been the Chiefs and gives them the best chance to win. Curious decision coming up. Thanks to LTN, Brett, Dan, and Ryan. My Joe. I'm Craig. See you tomorrow.